get into it. Oh my. Is it there? Gosh. Our information is being stripped from us. That's why people say that there's an agenda. Wow. Is that not insignificant? You can look this stuff up. You shape your own opinion based on the information and the facts that we've gathered. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, oh my gosh, okay. It's finally happening. It's happening. I have this hair in my face. Um. <laughs> I'm totally fine. <laughs> oh my god, I'm not crying, I promise you. I had like an itch in my throat. You know when you have an itch in your throat, you're like... You like start crying? Yeah, you like hold it back and it makes it worse. Yeah, it makes it worse. Oh my gosh, that story. That's hilarious. She had to, whatever. You know what I'm talking about? Though. No. Oh, the one where you're at the thing with Steve and the chief of pool. <gasps> oh my god. You're front row and you're like holding in this cough. Then <laughs> you know your voice, your throat just gets scratchier like and itchier. A tear streaming down my face. Hello, guys, and welcome to season one, episode one of Our Life. I forgot the name of <laughs> Our Life Be, Be Like Podcast. Woo! Now, this is kind of a play on of words because, I mean, yes, it's we're going to be telling stories and giving our commentary of our lives, but a lot of the topics that we're going to be talking about is our life. If you're paying attention to what's going on in the world, there's a lot of things happening. And I feel like a lot of people have a lot of opinions about what's going on in the world. So our podcast, the best description of it is our take on controversial topics. We have been talking about this for a while now, guys. Like you guys know that I have been wanting to do a podcast for almost five or six years now, but I didn't want to do a podcast by myself. You know, we've known each other now for 10 years. What? made us even want to do this podcast now is a lot of stuff that's happened over the past four years. You know, the whole shift of the world mm -hmm. has There's happened. been such a shift. And to have just an open conversation. conversation. Because so people you know, know there's other people like thinking this way. Exactly. Because I feel like a lot of people, this, you know, a lot of the stuff that our podcast is going to be about, I feel like people are already having this conversa these conversations behind closed doors, mm -hmm. but they will be called a conspiracy theorist or be called a bigot or mm -hmm. be called all this stuff. And it's just like, once you realize conspiracy theory or a conspiracy theorist is just a weaponized term for critical thinkers. Exactly. Or a bigot just being a weaponized term for, hey, we don't actually agree with everything. It's not just because you're gay or mm -hmm. you're transgender or you're this, that, and the third. It's your approach on it. Doesn't mean you're transphobic and or doesn't mean you're a bigot. It just means you have questions like any exactly. other person would have. Ever since 20 20, it really divided people 100 and it's so hard now to get people to like understand each other because of that but i mean that's you, why we're here you you pick your poison i guess yeah. you know like again we say like you either choose the red pill or the blue pill and you people over here like well we chose the red pill in our case we're just aware that there is a red pill and that there is a blue pill exactly. we're not taking any either of the pill. yeah we're down to question and critically think about what's going on in the world. The time we're at right now, if you're not questioning, you know, questioning maybe you should start to because yeah, there's a lot going on. We're basically here to show you what we have discovered and and just, you know, you shape your own opinion based sure. on the information and the facts that we've gathered because they're just really interesting, intriguing topics of conversation. It's just hard for us to not share these things. I know. I mean, we have these conversations every day. Um, we talk every single mm -hmm. day, multiple times a day. And we're like, you know what? At this point, let's Stop save talking, it for the podcast. Save it for the podcast. Yeah. So our podcast mainly is, again, going to be talking about controversial topics. This first episode, what we plan to do is just kind of give you a more of a deep dive on us. We are. Yeah, because I feel like on every other episode, we're really, we have a topic, but I feel like we're not going to really give y'all the full where we've been, where we went, and where we are now. So that's kind of this first episode. So bear with us, okay, guys? For a lot of my followers, you know, where I left off was really in 2016, where I quit cussing, I broke up with my boyfriend and I found God 
but I feel like there was just so many heavy hitters in my life that I didn't know how I was how do you sit back and talk about it? You know, because I'm also struggling at this time with being gay, but also finding Jesus, but also Jesus never telling me, Hey, it's your sexuality. To me, the first thing which I talked about in, you know, a YouTube video I did of why I quit cussing when I came to Jesus, what he told me to stop was cussing, which I feel like, again, the thing after that he told me was, now don't you dare go tell other people stop cussing because this is what Jesus told me. So I do feel like, you know, when you have this come to Jesus moment, everybody's come to Jesus moment is different and everybody's life lesson is different. And then when you start to apply your life lessons to other people's life lessons, that's when you get judgy. And I didn't want to be that way. So I didn't want to just, you know, come to the internet and be like, hey, so da, 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 because I'm like, but wait, I think I still have a lot of learning to do. But again, like, how do you do this learning when all you've known for the past three, four years is share your life on the internet? So there was just this has been this break of leaving the internet and then coming back to address some drama, which you already know about, which I've deleted that off my YouTube channel now. That was what I felt forced to come back to. And then I've just come back to TikTok and, you know, like just started my life. And I feel like some of you guys are just kind of like, oh my God, wait, but what about Jesus? What about your best friend getting possessed? Like, where is all this stuff? And, you know, I've tried to fill in the blanks, but it's hard to do that when you're still learning the process. And you're also, you know, dealing with life struggles. So I feel like this would be a good episode to just kind of give, again, where we've been, where we went, and where we are now. And I mean, I feel like we're going to be pretty candid about our journey to where we are now. So do you think this is a good segue to just kind of like get into? Yeah. Okay, cool. So it all started. Story time. Story time. <laughs> I guess we can start with the year 2013 because that's when vine i first started on vine i think vine started like january of 2013 i got on it in march of 2013 and then got big on it or started to get big on it in june of 2013. the year prior to that i was a lost puppy in the world i mean i had quit college i I feel like you and I have both had these like off-camera conversations of we knew the public eye was going to be our, part of our lives, part of our lives. Mm -hmm. and I knew this at the age of like 12 or 13. I remember telling my mom, not in a conceited way, just in like mm -hmm. a, I just know what I'm going to do, it's going to be in the public eye. Mm -hmm. Like not like, oh, pictures famous. But I remember telling my mom when I was 12 or 13, we were walking into Target and I was like, I just know one day I'm going to walk into this Target and people are going to know who I am. And my mom's like, okay, <laughs> sounds good. I just didn't know how that path was going to be. At first growing up, I was like, well, it's going to be sports because, you know, I played basketball and then I played volleyball in college. But then I was like, well, maybe it's going to be singing. You know, I auditioned for American Idol and oh, yeah. X Factor. Oh, like, my gosh. I know. That's so crazy that you did that. Which number did you get to? <laughs> Wasn't it like? <laughs> we may not talk about the numbers, oh, but I did make it to the second round of American Idol, oh, not gosh. to Hollywood, That's just so the crazy. judges, like the yeah. pre judges. Yeah. So you didn't get to meet like the judges. judges. No. <laughs> I had friends that I met there that got to meet the judges. Wow, judges. that's so cool. I was not good enough. No, you just, it wasn't meant for you in that moment. I believe that. Exactly. 100%. Obviously, in the moment, I didn't believe yeah. that. But now, I'm like, It's oh like it gosh. crushes your dreams. It does. I know. You know. But you know what was never crushed was that drive or that no, like I'm meant for something. Mm -hmm. Again, I, during this time was not connected to God. Mm -hmm. I all, we, I feel like you and I've had this conversation before. I always prayed even before eating, before I went to sleep at night, I prayed to God, but I never had this connection with God. And I think that the number one thing of why that was, was because I knew I was gay and I hadn't come to terms with that. I had only grown up being told the opposite, which again, coming episode two and three, we're going to dive into this stuff. We got some juicy stuff coming. We have some juicy topics. So yeah. just bear with us, stay with us. 
throughout this entire thing. We want to make sure you guys know who we are. Yeah, like that's... So who, who you're actually getting this information from, the kind of people we are. I feel... You know? Exactly. Save your judgments. Mm -hmm. We're going to get there. There We have a lot to cover in our episodes of podcast. Just mm -hmm. bear with us. This is just where our thought process was prior to where we are now. Mm -hmm. So we're still in 2013, okay? We've had a lot of growing since mm -hmm. then. That's how we've gotten to be like who we are today, basically, is, I mean, is our journeys. A full 180. Mm -hmm. Like even just being out in LA, like it's a full 180 mm -hmm. from when I was here a few years ago. Yeah, so I feel like there was this innate desire or innate know that I was meant for more. How I got there, I had no idea. So then I quit college and my parents were like, you gotta get a job. I'm like, <laughs> famous people don't have jobs what are you talking about but it wasn't like this like battle i was just kind of what am i gonna do i feel it but like nothing's happening so like how do i make this happen i'm like okay fine i do want money so i went and got a job at sprint and met some incredible people at sprint i have a lot of stories from sprint which again some of my people that are watching this or listening to this you know i got fired from sprint <laughs> He got fired. I, I did. didn't know you got fired. Yeah, oh maybe we'll goodness. get into that later. But Mama got fired from Sprint. Uh -oh. um, deserved, I think. Deserved. Maybe a good talking to. Mm -hmm. Maybe not fired. But the guy, the manager, did not like me. Oh, uh, did not like me one bit. I think I was just a lot of personality for him. <laughs> How funny. So, and a lot of personality for that job. And not only at this particular location, not only were you supposed to sell phones, you're supposed to fix phones. Guys, I repel technology, okay? <laughs> so I just never really grasped that concept of it. So along with everything else that happened, I, yeah, got fired. Wait, okay, so were you doing Vine at this point when you no, were at this Sprint? was 2012. Okay. Yeah. So. Oh my gosh! How crazy that a we year only before. we we met like a couple years Two later. Two years later, and you were like sprint. And I know. Not that that's. I mean, but that's just crazy. No, I'm that saying the like journey, it was journey. It was like so fast. I know that was just the year before, and then in 2013, after I got fired from that, I got a job as a vet tech, which that's just a fancier job for vet assistant because there's people who actually are licensed vet tech <laughs> like i didn't have okay. a license i was just a vet assistant quick learner because you know i grew up on a farm i mm -hmm. love animals that's actually what i wanted to do was become a veterinarian just didn't have the smarts or the math <laughs> like desire why do we need math to be a veterinarian that's well, because what i want to be able to draw the medicine in the correct dose make sure that's that google is for no i'm just kidding yeah, true. calculator i could have made it you i mean honestly i feel like there's a website now of like for 100 on call vet uh, like, veterinarians you're like there's a 150 pound pick how much of yes. this steroid do i give this? oh 100 i could have i could have made it <laughs> but made it. at that time i was just it overwhelmed just wasn't meant to be though it wasn't yeah so i had started i got the job technically like december 25th of 2012 going into the new year my first two weeks as a vet assistant oh my god i was just like i'm not cut out for this <laughs> Oh my god! It's the worst. Like, what am I gonna do? But then I, you know, got the the knack of it. Again, I was a quick learner, and then so as January, February, March approach, I'm like, I'm in it. This is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go to school. It's like a two year degree, I guess you to get your vet tech license. But there were some schools like community colleges that you could get it in like six months or something. Like, so it it seemed realistic for me at the time. Well, around that time, around like February, March of 2013 was when I was like, you know what? I want to give this singing thing another shot. X Factor had come back around. You know, they go every year. Mm -hmm. They go to like the different cities. Go to the different cities. And they had just had, I can't remember where it was, but it was in driving distance. And me and a couple of my friends, they came to support me. And we were out to dinner one night, the day before the auditions. And she goes, have you heard of the app called Vine? And I'm like, girl, no. Like, what were you doing? And she's like, well, it's like this six-second app, and it's so cool. You need to download it. And I shut it down to start with. I'm like, I ain't got time for no Vine. Like, this just sounds like I'm just learning Instagram at this point. Like, I'm still trying to do cute photos. No, I don't have time for Vine. And the more... You know, we I was hanging around her. She was always on Vine. And I feel like there still... It wasn't 
what mid like summer 2013 was it was still kind of developing like people were really like building out you know what vine would soon become so i started doing a little bitty stuff and then i started filming in my car like the whole selfie camera let's tell jokes in my little vet tech outfit so that was kind of how i built out my early 2013s and then I got randomly big. A month and a half later, I started showing up on the on the Rise page, and then I was on the Popular Now page. And I'm like, oh my gosh. like <laughs> he's maybe becoming a superstar. He's becoming the superstar. But again, at that time, I had no idea it would be the success that like what, what I was thinking. Mean? You know, like the feeling inside. I had no idea that's what that's it would what become. It, mm -hmm. This was just happening like in real time. Then it was around like October of 2013 was when I had my first two brand deals. I think I might've had like $4,000 in my banking account. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm balling right now. So I quit my job and I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm going to move to LA. And by this time, you know, I had met people or had been texting like with other people, viners. other viners. They were all in LA. Yeah. Now I had different content than them, but I just felt like I needed to be in LA to become or do what, I, you know, the dream, LA dream. Hogwash. You could be anywhere. It's a nightmare, actually. It's not a dream. It's a literally a soul sucker, yeah. which we have found out. We'll definitely be getting into that. I had moved out to LA in January of 2014, and it was the biggest year of my life. I made the most money I've ever made in my entire life. Came out here at that point after booking the Airbnb, I had $1,500 in my banking account. And which again, to me, I'm like, oh. Like I'm balling and I had booked an Airbnb for a month, had the $1,500 to, I guess, hold me over while I was here. And I just it clicked brand deal, brand deal, brand deal. And I'm making money and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is where I'm going to be. So I got my first apartment. You and I met like we right met in February. That, right? No, we met in February of 2014, like a week before Valentine's Day. And it was right before you actually like got, this is before you got your apartment, right? Yep. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I hadn't had my apartment yet. I think I got my apartment in like March. And then we get to maybe mid 2014, that innate God presenting himself, I guess, to me came back out. And I'm like, I haven't told these people I'm gay. When I, I remember- you, so I hadn't come out. I knew, I knew he was gay, you know, but, and I was like, I know, like, and I clicked with him. I was like, oh, he's going to be my new gay best friend. <laughs> Not the gay best friend. GBF. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I just, I knew it. But you hadn't told anybody at that point. And so it was like speculation. Mm -hmm. So yeah, think how far I know. Come. I made a YouTube video. I had started on YouTube. At this point, I was not educated own God or even open to God. Like I, you know, this is something you have to do by yourself. This isn't a Bible thing. This mm -hmm. is the Holy Spirit is separate from the Bible. Mm -hmm. You need to have a conversation with the Lord. And I had not had that. I was scared. I felt ashamed. Like, but again, God never made me feel ashamed. What people had told me God would think of me made me ashamed. And that's mm -hmm. two completely different things. It's like the ultimate saying, Jesus never said that. That person said that. Make sure you different, di differentiate. What, how do you say differentiate. that? Differentiate. <laughs> differentiate. Differentiate. Differentiate <laughs> the both, you know, the two. So I hadn't done that. I hadn't been able to do that at that point, but I felt this need to be honest. So, and it's a, it was a very emotional video. I'm crying. I hadn't even told my family. My family found out through this video. Oh my gosh. My mom called me after she watched it crying. Like, <gasps> oh you know, like, gosh, I love you. I know it was no one. I mean, of course they had speculation, Yeah. you know, but it had never been confirmed by me. Yeah. I came out to a lot of my friends, my junior year of high school, mm -hmm. but obviously now I'm going high school, college, like. I'm out of college, well, not out of college, but <laughs> dropped out of college. Like yeah. I'm around the age of like 21, you know, coming out to LA. Yeah, I just felt like I was financially stable enough, had a career. I don't care about the backlash because I'm good. Like, mm -hmm. it's not like my parents can kick me out of their house. Like I'm, I'm good. So like, right. let me be my full self and be honest. Then, you know, Vine was starting to come to an end in 2015 and I had met my boyfriend at the, like the, the beginning of 2016. This is the first boyfriend I've ever had. And it was just a lot. Like it, at, at that point, I still hadn't processed 
my relationship with God. I hadn't processed the money I was making. I hadn't processed where I would be two years from now, five years from now. I was just moving and I could feel nothing. Like I had a beautiful boyfriend making great money, drove a great car, lived in a nice place, and I could feel nothing. I had no connection with what I was doing. So I sought out a therapist because I mean, I was waking up every day crying. Like, I'm just like, what? I don't connect. Like I cannot connect with anything. And it wasn't, I was crying because I was gay. You know, Mm -hmm. like people were like, oh, depressed people are gay because you are wrong and who you are. And like God, that's, you know, God being removed from you. That's not the case at all, actually. It's just, which we have an episode coming up about gut health and, you know, the connection of the brain and the gut, which, so we'll get into that. And my therapist told me I needed to get everybody out of my life and to find a spiritual path. While all of this was happening simultaneously of the not feeling the the non-connection, I guess you would say depression. I think it was more situational depression. I mean, I kind of feel like there was just a lot that was happening all at once. I didn't know how I could break up with my boyfriend. I didn't know how I could get everybody out of my life and find the spiritual sense. But again, about a week later, after I had that meeting or is it therapist meetings or is it sessions? After I had that session with my therapist, I had posted a video on my YouTube channel called Live Exorcisms. And at this time, I had no concept of, yes, I knew it was real, but there was no connection of like, this is real. Angels, demons, God, devil. It was just kind of like something you joke about, but you knew was real, but you really didn't have a connection with. And I remember filming this video and my best friend, he would watch all of my YouTube videos up until this point. Every Wednesday, he was on it like freaking white on rice, honey. Would tell me his thoughts, you know, whatever. I would make changes where I needed to make changes. I really, he was, I view him as like a mirror. If I have something going on in my life, He knows when he has something going on in his life, I know. We call each other out, we straighten each other out, whatever. So I had him view, was like, hey, watch this uh, episode I just filmed. And he was like, okay, cool, you know, what is it called? And I was like, reacting to live exorcism. He immediately shut down. I was just kind of like, what are you not telling me? Like, well, is there something going on? I don't know, honestly, like what my whole thought process, but I was a little bit offended because years, like, you know, prior to this, he was watching my stuff. So like, why now, Mm -hmm. you know? So I was just kind of like, okay, fine. Like, cool. Don't watch the episode. Like it's going out the next day, which, you know, that was Tuesday night uh, on a Tuesday night. And so it went out the next day. He had come up to me and he was just kind of like, I have something I want to talk to you about. I don't know what I thought this conversation was going to be, but it was not what it was. I don't want to press you about this. It actually took him almost three or four days after the initial, like, I want to have a conversation with you. Did he finally tell me that he had been possessed by seven demons. I mean, you can imagine, like, what? How, when, are you good now? Like, how do like, you know it was seven? How do you like, know it was yeah, seven? Yeah. Like, right? What? Like, so many yeah. questions. I'm like, mind blown. However, I knew he was being honest. Mm-hmm. He's a mirror in my life. I felt it. It was like, connected, like what? He couldn't tell the full story because it was like in and out access mm-hmm. is how he describes it. Like he was like in a black room looking through his eyes at his parents. So creepy. His mouth moving, hearing stuff, but not really. He knew, he tells me he knew what was happening because obviously he grew up in the church, but how would this happen to me? Mm-hmm. It's like his mindset, like, oh my gosh. this is- And this was how, uh, like, much prior before i believe three years oh i believe it happened his possession happened in 2000 actually i think four years i think his possession happened in 2012 i could be wrong so obviously like anybody you need to know more so we had a phone call with his parents because it happened at his house imagine this me hearing this conversation Mm -hmm. and the conviction and the reality you know, like you, you know what you know, what you know, kind of like when someone's being real. My mindset did a full 180. Again, sexuality was never pressed on my soul or on my spirit by God. It was how I act, how I spoke to people, how I forgave, how I treated people. That's all what was being worked on in those moments and leading up from that moment to where I am now. It Mm -hmm. was never, 
you know, I would say there was a shaping up of my sexuality. There was a be with one person mm-hmm. kind of thing, because which we'll talk about in later episodes of having soul ties, you know, with people and having that discernment. But as of right now, it was just, it was a lot. And it was too much for me to sit down and like fully process. I was able to talk about why I quit cussing. And, you know, that's a, a lot of people saw that YouTube video, but I was still dealing with a lot. And this was leading up from the end of 2016 to seven, 2017, in which I had found out all during this time that my manager, agent, and entertainment lawyer were all, I hate to use the word stealing from me because they legally were able to do this. So I'm in my head, I'm a millionaire. On paper, I have about $200,000 in my account. Well, when you live are living out this rationale, I'm living as a millionaire, but there's the paper says something different. Well, when I mean, just my apartment a year is like 80 grand at this point. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't have made it much longer after that just off of my apartment expenses. But what's so funny and ironically is how I moved out to L.A. with fifteen hundred dollars and I left L.A. with fifteen hundred dollars. My account manager, she messages me at the end of 2016 and sends me my bank statement. And again, in my head, I have over a million dollars. Like, I know what I made. I know what I'm getting on these deals. Like, I'm oh good. My God. Hey, Alex, this is the email they sent. I think it's now time to, you know, maybe look for something else and sends me my thing. $1,500. My heart sinks. But I will say the Lord had, I felt like he was telling me this months prior. I was getting this, like, it when it hit me, it didn't hit me like a Mack truck. It hit me like, this is it. Mm-hmm. This is what I had been feeling for a while now. So I had moved back to North Carolina in 2017 and was starting to maybe a little bit financially recover a little bit, but not much because I'm still dealing with this reality of like, oh my God, God's there. Like, how do I, do I continue with this career? What do I do? But I also need to make money. How do I navigate this you know, situation that I'm currently in? So I moved into my own place in 2017 and then my depression, I hate to say depression, but situational depression set in again in 2018. So I moved back in with my parents and, and now here we are in 2019 at this point and I'm living with my parents and I'm like, I can't do this. Like at this point, I'm like 28 years old. I've had all this, you know, success. And now here I am. It was not a non, it was a humbling experience but not something I was fighting. I was down for the humbleness because I knew God was rebuilding my foundation. He was just breaking it apart. And it's like, no, where I'm going to rebuild you. But it was just the process. It was just like, God, when? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of learning. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I've learned, you know, like I've been through this. 2019, I had planned to live on my own in 2020. And then obviously... 2020 happened. Had a major curveball. Yeah. And again, mind you, that 2020 is when I rescued, when, like when I first started beginning to rescue my pigs. Oh, the pigs. <laughs> my little They're piggies. So you guys know, or if you don't know, I have nine pigs that I rescued. So my dad, he has a pig farm. Every freaking time, it seems like a little baby gets hurt, gets accidentally stepped on. You know, normally farmers yeah. can't do anything about it. And every single one that I rescued was like literally like legs like hanging off. Alex is like eating bacon and and like having pet bacon. Listen, but I started TikTok and I came back as, you know, kind of what I knew, you know, like the sassiness, the little jokes or whatever, which that's my personality, you know, to be sassy and jokey. But I was just caught in this holdup of... I can't cuss. And I was still like meeting myself, trying to meet myself in the middle of this, of just like, how can I create content without freaking cussing? Because I feel so convicted about it. Just like in my own life again, like everybody has their own conviction. I'm tired of the sassiness. That's what I had built my career on. You know, the the jokes, the one-liners, the comeback. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to spread joy. I wanted to spread happiness. I just didn't know how this was, you know, going to happen. And I had this come to Jesus moment. And I told God, I'm like, you know what? I'm leaving this entertainment industry. I'm going to get a job. Was done with it. I was like, maybe I'm pushing this. If this is not what you want from me, God, take it. Mm-hmm. Just I need a direction at this point. Like, I'm sick of doing this on my own. If I am doing it on my own, I'm sick of it. Like, bring me to a direction. I met with the guy at FedEx 
And in my head, even driving there, I was like, God, if there is a ounce of me that you see that's not wanting this, take it, take it, take it. Like, I remember that was you. I was on the phone with you, Mm -hmm. you know, like going through these like little episodes of just like, I don't want this. Like, I take this from me, put me where I need to be. And I know that my relationship with you, God, is not all fulfilling. It's off of faith. It's not how I feel right now. It's off of your promises and what you plan to do with my life. How that's going to happen, I don't know, but I'm not going to do it on my own anymore. Mm -hmm. This entertainment stuff, I'm done. So I met with the FedEx guy and he said that the job was going to be posted for me to go ahead and, you know, apply for Friday rolls around. He told me to send him a text. And I sent him a text, reluctantly, I will say, because you know, like, it's so new at this mm-hmm. point, like, what, for the past eight years, I had not worked a job, but like, I was not going to let that be the determining factor. This is what's going to happen. I know that if I'm here, God's going to have, you know, settle it, make me happy, whatever. And he didn't respond. So then that next week, I had this conversation with God again. And I was like, God, I went to the meeting. I'm ready to apply for this job. I'm done. I have no more inspiration. I have no more desire to do any of this. And I cannot continue this career of entertainment unless you put something over my life. The next day, I go upstairs and I look at the mom wig, which is now the mom wig. But at that time, it was just a wig, you know, a ratty little wig. And I had this inspiration come over me of doing a mom character. And so now here we are in 2023, just a week prior to this in 2021, I was calling you. I'm crying. Mm-hmm. I don't feel myself. I was back to where I was back in 2014, 15. And again, Christians outside looking in, well, he's wearing a wig, woman's clothes. What about Deuteronomy? Stay for our third episode because we're going to get into the Bible tea of all of this. But how ironic was it that the Lord placed this over me? Now where I'm at is rebuilding my finances, rebuilding my life. My whole outlook on life is completely different to where I was just a couple of years ago. I figured now is the right time to sit back, create a podcast with one of my best friends and really hash out like, what have we been through the past couple of years? Mm-hmm. What what are our outtakes on life? Like what is, because again, ever since 2020, there's just been a lot of talk, mm-hmm. you know, which again, we'll get into later in uh, the season. We're finally creating this podcast where I'm finally in, in, back in LA with a whole new outlook on where I see my career. Now you have a very interesting inspirational life. And uh, from the same time points, even maybe a year or two earlier than I did. So I kind of want you to go through the same sectors of life, where you were, where you went and where you are now. Yeah, so I definitely have had quite an interesting journey that's led me to where I am now um, and who I am now. You know, I've grown so much as a person and um, where I started is definitely nowhere close to where I'm at now as a person. I started off wanting desperately to be in the entertainment industry. Same thing. I grew up, I was like meant to be in front of the camera. I knew I was supposed to be an entertainer of some sort. And she's small town Pennsylvania. Yeah, actually, which is ironic because I went to theater school with Taylor Swift. Oh, I forgot about this. So we like went to this theater school in Reading, Pennsylvania. She's now Taylor Swift, you know. Well, you're Kayla Um, Collins, so. (laughs) I sang growing up as well, um, but I had the worst stage fright ever. I do like solos in school and they'd have me up on the stage and I'd literally be like, Like when I'd sing, I'd be so scared to be in front of everybody. It was crazy because I wanted to do it so bad and I had the talent, but I was so scared when I get up there in front of everybody, be like, oh my gosh, what will they think? And I just was so worried about what everybody else thought. 
which is so annoying and something, you know, we all need to work through. Me in particular, I care too much sometimes about what other people think and I really shouldn't. I modeled, like I was in like teen magazine with like the little friendship bracelet ads. And, and again, you guys know that I was also a model. Oh. It was like the <laughs> scammy, like, you know, the small town. Oh I don't want to say the name, but you know, like you pay yeah, to do Yeah, everybody. <laughs> yeah. The, oh my gosh, you remember the glamour shots? Like mall, malls used to have the glamour shots. Yeah. Did you do the glamour shots? I was the victim shot? of the glamour shots. No. I, yeah, I paid. I like went to this school and like, you know. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was called, I don't know what type of modeling it was. Oh, mannequin modeling. Oh you my, do, mannequin. <laughs> I like stood out front of a store in um, a mall and I'm like, but, you know, okay, so for everybody who, like, wants to be in the entertainment industry, it's not all it's cracked up to me. No, it's definitely smoke and mirrors. But again, we don't look back at it and be like, oh, why did I do this? It's like, thank God I'm not doing this now. You yeah. live and you learn kind of For situation. sure. And, you know, some would say, like, manifesting, which... We have our own idea of manifesting. Again, like we say, there is manifesting, but we kind of call it God-a-festing. But yeah. the idea of manifesting is like, I did this. But in reality, I mean... It's even, God. It's God, God knows you're you know, every step of the way. For what, sure. Because I mean, even the Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue. So mm -hmm. you speak life over people, you speak curses over people, and you can do this to yourself as well. So, I mean, I definitely think that building out our dreams was the ultimate thing that we were doing during this time. We just didn't realize like, or know how this would take place, mm -hmm. how this would happen. And these are really like the most important years of your life where you're kind of like deciding what you're going to do when you're growing up. You kind of are like manifesting into this next phase of your life. So I knew that I was going to be in the entertainment industry, really didn't know why. I went to college for my major was business marketing, which I've always been really passionate about. I was an intern at a marketing firm when I was in high school still. She's the jack of all trades. I, I will say she has her hand in everything. Yeah. I and I'm really good at at that side of things too. Like behind the scenes marketing, really enjoy it. But I didn't know if that's like where I saw my life going. And I just I always wanted to live in California. I always wanted to see something more than what I was seeing in little small town Pennsylvania. I wanted to get out of there. I knew I was going to live in California since I was like 14 years old. And I had this goal for probably since I was like 16. It really started when my ex-boyfriend at the time boyfriend had these posters of like Jenny McCarthy, Pamela Anderson, Playboy all the most famous Playboy models on his wall. And I was like, that looks like me. I could literally do that. I could be that. Just like knew in my heart and in my head, I was like, I'm going to be a Playmate. Continue on with what I was doing. I was in college and I was working as a waitress at this place called Friendly's. It was like a little ice cream shop diner. And I was, <laughs> mama was making the tips. I was like rolling in dough. Okay. I can imagine. <laughs> But, but you're dating the boyfriend still at this time. No, so we broke oh. up. Yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. okay. So this is, it. I was 18 at this point, and he was like around 15, 16 that I was like with this guy. Those, so this those like teenage love affairs. For you know? sure. But you still had in the back of your head about, about this Playboy, like, this is what he was into. And well, and it wasn't even about him anymore. It was just like, you know, I was inspired. Because I was like, I literally look like those girls. Why right. could I not do that? For you know. Sure. And then I thought to myself, well, that could be a stepping stone for me to get into the entertainment industry. So I just kind of like always had it in my head that that would be a good way to start because I know I could easily do that is kind of what my thought process was. For sure. And again, I just want to say, I mean, this woman has done a full 180. So... Before you have some preconceived judgment and idea, I do get offended by this, okay? <laughs> because we all started with something, an idea, whatever it is, and we learned and we grew from it. Mm -hmm. And guess what? We can talk about it. So let the story unfold and continue. Yeah. And mind you, I I come from a, a very solid upbringing. I have a a Christian upbringing. My parents were both Bible study leaders. Hi, Cheryl. <laughs> Hi, mom. That's her mom. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Cheryl got them together. Okay. Yeah, I, I wasn't even allowed to listen to secular music. Period. So come on, secular you know, music. <laughs> like the, oh, I had to ask permission to listen to like Aaliyah or Mariah Carey. Like I couldn't oh, even wow. listen. Yeah, uh -huh. couldn't watch MTV. Like everything was 
restricted for me. I and again, as you're sheltered. saying, like it's you grew up in that household of the Bible study, the you know going to the church. Well, that brings me back to how I said there's a difference of knowing the Bible and having a one-on-one relationship with God, mm-hmm. which we'll get into later. But mm-hmm. anyways, then the girls next door started to air on E, and. I and loved. you were on MySpace at this time, though. So I was, uh, yeah, I was on MySpace, and I was like total Playboy fan. You know, I was like a MySpace coder. You guys know the MySpace era. <laughs> if you were not here for the MySpace era, we were our own technicians. We were hackers. We were coders. Yeah, we, were we knew HTML. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, it I wasn't the, just posting a picture. I had the little sparkly spinning Playboy bunnies on <laughs> Which my was profile. Which specific code. It was. Because you could have it like there, but not spinning. You yeah. had to code it to, to make spin. it spin. All these different things. Yeah, it was like, it was pretty epic. <laughs> what a time to be alive. Literally. So, yeah, I I had my my profile all decked out and I had like decorations in my room of Playboy too. Like I had amateur little pictures, like not sexual at all. Just thought I was being cute in my room, like posing up next to my like Playboy mirrors. (laughs) Right, for sure. And I just looked up the girls that were Hef's girlfriends at the time. It was Holly, Bridget, and Kendra. So I added them all just as friends, not thinking, not thinking much of it. And Holly sent me a message and said I should really consider testing for Playboy. How random. So crazy. Like what? Yeah. That is insane to me. Yeah. So she, that made me freak out. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I called my mom. I still remember, like, I remember where I was and I'm like in my car so excited, just got this message thinking oh, like, sure. I can't wait, you know, like, this is so cool. So I call my mom and I'm like, oh my gosh, mom, this is what I need. Like, this is a stepping stone for me. This could get my foot in the door of the entertainment industry. And she's freaking out like, no, you have to sleep your way to get into that industry. And there's no way like you're not doing this. It kind of freaked me out. And I was like, well, maybe I shouldn't. I just kind of let it go. That was when I was 18. A few years went by and I had a trip planned out to California. So I ended up going back onto MySpace and sending Holly a message and telling her that I was taking a trip out to California. She was like so excited and she sent me pictures like holding her MySpace number so I Confirming. knew it was 100% her. MySpace days. I, <laughs> I know, do you guys remember the MySpace numbers? Yes. Like her own code. She gave me the numbers for the studio to confirm that it was her and she said, you should do a test shoot while you're out here. And, you know, this was two years that I had kept in touch with Holly on MySpace. So you're 20, almost 20 at this point. Yeah, I'm 20 at this point. Yeah. Before I went, she sent me an email and she's like, hey, the camera crew thinks it's really interesting that you're coming out. And we met on MySpace and they want to do a segment on the show of the girls next door. Yeah, on the girls next door. Right. Uh So they shot the whole experience of us, you know, from me and um, two other girls doing a test shoot coming out. The day that I was shooting, Hef hadn't been at the studio since it was built in the 70s. They had him come out on the day of my shoot and I'm like in the middle of my shoot. But a ball naked. Just butt naked. <laughs> and Hugh Hefner walks in. Wow. And so I got off, you know, the bed that was like on the set and got down and gave him a hug because it was just like, what else do I do? I was like, hi, nice to meet you. Like, this is awkward. But I you know. think what we kind of want to know too is what is your mindset in this? Did you know going into what you would be previewed to? Like, how was that process? So it was like all so professional that I wasn't, you know, feeling uncomfortable or anything weird at all. And like, honestly, he just came off like a cute little man's me at that point because right. this is my first time meeting him. The whole, the shoot was so professional. The pictures were coming out so good that I was like, there's no way I'm not going to be a playmate. That's how I felt on the set. I felt like a natural. Right. From that point, a few weeks later, I got a call from Holly and she told me that I was going to be a playmate. I was just like, all right, I'm moving to California. You and know, you hadn't told your dad at this point. Oh, yeah. So I was scared to tell my parents. For sure. I was pretty scared how they were going to react, which thankfully they were both so supportive. You know, I think that they really... Mm-hmm. Well, they knew they had to be by your side. Exactly. In this, especially in this situation, because it could go 
completely south. Exactly. And I, you know, I got back from California. I took like tons of pictures. Like I have like kissy faces with half. Like we're like. All in your MySpace. Yes. Oh, all. yeah. So I like decked out my MySpace with these pictures. Like For sure. this is the coolest oh, thing Oh, so ever. she's showing the eggs at yeah. this point. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I'm going to be on your wall soon. I don't know his name. Eric. <laughs> yeah. I was living with my dad at the time because my parents had gone divorced. And I left my MySpace open on his computer. Oh, my god! And he saw it. And he ended up, you know, he, he came up into my room and he said, so how was your trip to California? And I'm like, I had no idea that he. I think it was great saw this and I think he might have said something like is there anything you want to tell me or whatever and then I, I got into it and I explained and and he was you know he he handled it really well Good. I think both of my parents were like you said they didn't they didn't want to lose me to that world they just wanted to be supportive and I don't even think they realized how hardcore the entertainment industry was at this point they until, just had speculation yeah they just knew we can't lose this communication while she goes into this world. Exactly. Right. Actually, my mom knew before my dad, surprisingly enough. Um, and she was like making jokes like, oh, well, we could do a mother-daughter photo shoot. Oh, Cheryl. <laughs> I love Which obviously not serious, but you know, she was like being supportive. Cheryl was plotting. She's like, I should do a couple test shoots. <laughs> Literally, I took that as an opportunity to just take the leap, move to California and... Like pick my life your up morals there. exactly and so you know i was only 20 at the time and i moved out to california and she looked like this at 20 years old i mean like you literally haven't aged a day oh, so i can't imagine I'm 20 trying. year old i'm Kayla. trying i'm trying <laughs> we don't know how old i am now we're just <laughs> i've been i've been 21 for like the past 10 years. 30. 30. 30. <laughs> I'm 61 now or no, 51 with that. 30 years. Okay, anyway. <laughs> I celebrated my 21st birthday on the girls next door. I was traveling with them. We were going all these different places. Like the, the time that I celebrated my 21st birthday, Hef was celebrating his 81st birthday. So we went to Vegas. It was, it was surreal. And so, yeah, they were... Everybody, all the girls of the mansion were very catty. A lot of which I've heard Holly behind, say that behind each other's backs. It was just, it was not a good environment for so many reasons. I have tons of stories beyond this of just which you're going to write a book about. Yeah, or you've already started writing mm -hmm. your book about it. Yeah, yeah, and so wait for that one, guys. Exactly, <laughs> lots of tea in there. <laughs> The tea is we're piping gonna be, hot. We're going to be severely caffeinated it, after reading that book, okay? Severely <laughs> In my heart and in my thoughts with any interactions I have with people, I think that they have the best intentions because I think about what my intentions are and it's never as pure. Like I've been in so many situations in the entertainment industry all across the board and I always think that people have the best intentions and I can be naive at times. It was definitely just, it was such a wild experience and I will, I would love to get into it in a later episode, just all the things I've been through because it's like, it's so deep. There's so much to it that it would take longer than just this first introduction to sure. who we are, but we'll definitely be giving you guys some, some more insight and um behind the scenes into our lives for sure well how did you branch out from, from playboy, playboy to you were on the, the show yeah so at that point you know maybe like 25 i think it was i met i was like out one night and there was like this super famous soccer player that was like um like asked his friend to come up and get my number which I was like ew from the he was from the UK yeah he's from the UK okay, yeah. and I just thought it was like gross that he couldn't come up to me himself but he was like apparently so famous that he you know couldn't do it himself he needed to send his friend over you were like okay fine <laughs> yeah. yeah basically then he sent me a text you know just kind of trying to like get my attention and I was like 
not having it. Just kind of blowing him off. Like, ew, why is this guy texting me? Like, this is a turnoff. I he- gave him my number. Why is he texting me? <laughs> I wasn't thinking of it as like, oh, I'm going to date this guy. I'm just like, oh, yeah, like, we're cool. Like, mm-hmm. friends, whatever. And he was like, so persistent. And I was like, honestly, I'm too busy to be like, talking to you because he was like oh come out to the UK like you need to visit and I'm like the only way that I'm gonna get out there is if like I have work out there sorry but I'm too busy to be like taking a trip to visit you and literally turns around and like two days gets me like management in the UK he does yeah that's actually kind of okay I'll be there tomorrow (laughs) and they instantly what do you think about being on this show I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. And I'm just like pumped. Oh my gosh, that's so we'll cool. We'll play like, some clips right around here <laughs> so that she can see her on that show. I was shocked at the stuff she was doing. So, so I didn't think, I didn't even believe that I could do that, you right. know? Told them no at first. I was like, yeah, sorry guys. I don't think this is the right fit. And yeah, so let's, you know, back to the drawing board. Right. And that excited them. The fact that I was like, not into it. I'm they, a celebrity. Get me out of here. Exactly. <laughs> right. It's the premise of the show. Exactly. So they were like really excited once they found out I wasn't super into it and um, basically booked me. <laughs> They're like, your audition's tomorrow at 12. So then like in a week, I was literally doing photo shoots for the, you know, for the opening credit. They had been going to the Australian rainforest for years at this point of you know, of the show flew out there and basically was thrown into the trenches yet again. But this is a totally different kind of trenches. They want you to suffer because that makes good TV. Right. Basically how it worked is you get paid your full amount if you don't say, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. And I'm like... Okay, she said, I'm coming to get my I'm trade. a hustler. So right. I'm like, I am getting every Put a needle in my mouth. <laughs> Exactly. That's what came next. So the beetle in the mouth. Yeah. Oh, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and again, UK is a lot different than the US on TV shows. So you coming off a very popular UK TV show, the paparazzi is like a whole different level. So the UK, exactly. Like the yeah. paparazzi is insane. It um, is. I mean, even YouTubers like are like A-list celebrities. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, they chase you around. Like, right. so I didn't know what I was getting myself into I ended up moving to the UK I had these managers that were literally trying to like sell my soul you know that's another thing we could get into in the future I didn't want that in my life and was basically just desperate to get back to California get back to my life so after that show I went on to do all kinds of stuff in the entertainment industry modeling acting um, commercials I was in the Entourage movie. I did a movie with Nick Cannon, School Dance, a bunch of different commercials for like Jack Daniels and Mini Cooper. But I never really felt like that was where my passion truly lied. There's tons of playmates that do that. They go on from being in Playboy to acting and modeling. It was just like the known thing. Right. And I wasn't happy in that. It was a constant struggle and stress and disappointment because the entertainment industry is just not what it seems. So manipulative. It's so manipulative. It's not, it's like not as great money as people think either and well that's one of the reasons why there's the current writer strike and the sac after a strike yeah. and they I make they are, millions they are pretty pathetic yeah i see entourage playing all the time and i i do get checks for it but it's it's pretty minuscule but then again i didn't have a huge role in entourage right. so that's pretty cool get residual checks from it okay cool but again it really didn't feel like that's where my passion was music has always really been a huge passion for me. Everybody around me, like my friends, knew that music was a huge passion. And I was like a closet DJ. I learned to DJ when I was 20, 21, when I first moved out to California. And it was a hobby that ended up being a career path. And when I met her, she was DJ Dolphins. It's <laughs> my favorite. I remember going over to her apartment and she'd play me the thing, her song, and then you know, it would have like the interlude. DJ Dolphins. DJ Dolphins. <laughs> that was my favorite. 
We're actually going to a gig of hers tomorrow. Actually, yes. yeah, we're going to Huntington Beach, and we just left the weekend before. We were at the Highlight Room watching you DJ. So yeah, so it's it's been like it's been really fun. DJing has really helped me kind of break out of that stage fright shell, and I love it. But it's kind of been a rude awakening for me to see that like just because I'm in now a different sector of the entertainment industry it's really kind of the same like the entertainment industry in general is like a really tough world to be in because the people are not genuine you know the experiences that you encounter all the time are just like crappy so with all that being said I've grown so much as a person over this last 10 plus years with everything I've been through, I've... All the ups and downs. Yes. <laughs> and the lefts and the right. Okay, and the back arounds. Yes. It's like, oh my love. It has been quite the journey. And where I'm at now is just nowhere where I was before. And I am just like, I care about different things now. I've just become a whole different <laughs> person. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have. And... Yeah, I've grown so much as a person. I'm so into like health and wellness now and I'm in my healthy girl era. <laughs> we love a healthy girl era. Come on, healthy girl queen. Era. Era. <laughs> healthy, healthy girl. She's in her healthy girl era. Era. I mean, no. I just made him some bomb dinner. Oh my God, the and, chickpea curry. And he loves that. Oh it's my favorite. And that is healthy and budget friendly. She's going to write a recipe book too. I do need to. You should. Yeah. Because you already have one of those names I, trademarked. You put it out so. there like as if I'm already, I mean, but why no, not? you should. I plan on doing something with my expertise. Yeah, because she also cooks as well. So yeah. that's something she's also passionate about. I love it. Yeah. I can't wait to sh start sharing more of that. Like, I feel like when I put stuff out on social media of me, like doing little cooking stuff, like people are like, wait, what is she she's a DJ and she's like making these cooking videos. Right, they're like, like, just show us boobs. Like, what is this? And it's like, girlies. I'm so much more I'm than more that. than that. And I just, I'm, but it sucks I'm so excited to be able to share that. Like, for sure. And the algorithm doesn't help with that either. Because no. they only want, the algorithm now only wants to push what people engage more with. Exactly. So it's so hard to create something To new. like break out of that shell. And that's why the whole yeah. Playboy thing has been like, Ugh, it's a blessing and a curse. I've been like stuck in this like hole where I just feel like, you know, people only know me for certain things like being a, like a sexy girl and a right. sexy girl DJ. And, yeah. you know, I'm I'm so much more than that. And I know I started out with Playboy. So like I know people might like think that's like who you are. Yeah. Or it defines right. where you it's are like, now. That's literally not at all. That's why I say I've grown so much as a person. Yeah. It's been over 10 years, but it's it's something like I sh I would never let define me, but it's such a big part of my life. And once you do that, it's like, look at all of the girls like Jenny McCarthy and Pamela Anderson that went on to do all of this different stuff, but they it still goes back to they were a playmate. Yeah. So it's but like- But they can do all this like philanthropy and- Well, like, I mean, and like huge, just everything. Like yeah. they do so much stuff outside of being a playmate like right. acting roles and just everything it's just that the playboy had launched their career so like they're once once they're a playmate they're always a playmate that's what the saying always was and it's not like you're ashamed of that world it's just also like you've just grown from it and exactly just, well it's a tough world to be in if you don't have a foundation and if your foundation is not god jesus it's a whole different entity. Exactly. Without Jesus, I... And you're constantly dealing with people who don't have Jesus. Exactly. Have and they're challenging you, what I mean. yeah. you know, to try to basically get you to sell your soul at every step of the way, which yeah. has been a constant maneuver around these type of people, which it sucks because really the entertainment industry, like my mom was right all those years ago For that, sure. you know, sleeping your way to get to the top is kind of like right there in line with selling your soul. Like, and how you maneuvered yourself is just another like God had you. Even in the same way I look at my life, even though I wasn't one-on-one, -on -one, I knew he was there, but I didn't have that one-on-one -on -one, like you're not judging me, you're convicting me kind of situation. Mm -hmm. 
he had me at every step of the way. Yeah. So just looking at how you navigated and what you were put in and, you know, what you chose to do, how he still navigated you so that you still had your morals, your compass. He was there. Mm -hmm. It's just like it's a God breathe situation, which on the outside looking in, we're looking, oh, she's a Playboy model. She's this. She's that. But what are the ins and outs that mm -hmm. you were actually dealing with, what you were faced with, and what you chose to do and not chose not to do? Mm -hmm. So, and that's actually, I feel like, why we've remained such great friends is we have the same morals. Thank you guys so much. This was such a great first episode. Yes. Again, every other episode after this is going to be a lot different. I feel mm -hmm. like we're going to have the topic. This was more of just kind of like an icebreaker. Get to know us. Exactly. Again, like where we were, where we went, where we are now. Yes. So, I hope you guys really enjoyed this and... Um, we're excited to share our lives, share our opinions, and share uh, our lives together here and on Our, our Life Behind Podcast. <laughs> yeah, so this was such a great first episode. Yes. And we will see you guys next week. Make see sure ya. you subscribe. Make sure you like. Make yes. sure you do all the things. Bye, guys. <laughs>